Thank you for listening to the Wealth Amplifier podcast. As a reminder, the goal of this podcast is to amplify a person, topic, or idea. On some episodes, members of the Amplius team will discuss a topic or idea. And on other episodes, we will invite an outside guest that has some particular insights or expertise. We really hope you enjoy the show. And like always with Amplius, if you have suggestions as to how we can make things better, please let us know. As a reminder, nothing on this episode should be taken as legal, tax, or investment advice. Tax, legal, and investment advice topics should be discussed one-on-one with the appropriate advisor. Thank you. Welcome, everyone, to the Wealth Amplifier for a year-end special episode. Uh, Joining me today are Matt Liebman and Aaron Marks, as always. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Feeling good. Good, good, good. (laughs) So uh, uh, for this episode, we are going to review some of the uh, predictions we had made. If you go back to, I I don't remember the exact episode number off the top of my head, but uh, the episode from the beginning of 2023, where we made predictions around what would happen to capital markets and the economy in 2023. We're going to be reviewing those today. Um, Now, uh, Matt and I have, uh, have not reflected or reviewed that podcast in many, many, many months. So we're going into this blind. Aaron has. So Aaron's going to be moderating and reminding us of some of the predictions we made, and we're going to uh, see how well we did kind of thing. And then we'll make some predictions of our own for the year ahead and the state of the world we're in for 2024. Uh, and we'll touch a little bit on our favorite topic of uh, client, client and human behavior and uh, how any of this relates back to what we're able to control and, and, and if any of it actually matters at the end of the day. So um, the stage is set. Aaron, I'll pass the ball over to you to uh, introduce us to our own predictions and opinions from the beginning of the year. The review, I'm the keeper of all the information here. Right? Yeah. Right. On the, because I did listen to the recording from last year. At one point I said, are we a bunch of, will we be a bunch of bozos or not? So uh, <laughs> we shall see. Okay. So, so first the, just, an outlandish one, not an outlandish one, but not a direct stock market, bond market. Um, not Nothing all that thrilling here. We did a bit of a mishmash of, a, of prediction. We all didn't make the same prediction and the same call on every different topic. But I asked what is more likely Bitcoin at 1,000 or 100,000 next. Not, not, you know, uh, so if it had to shoot higher, short, lower, where would it go? And at the time, Bitcoin was at about 17,000. Uh, right now, it's it's up over 150%. So had a good year. Um, uh, Pat, did you say? Did you recall what you might have said? Yeah, I took the bearish view. Um, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think I said it was more likely to hit a thousand versus a hundred thousand. That is correct. Yeah. And Matt, I think I took the other side of that. That no, uh, not a huge Bitcoin guy, but I figured if I had to pick one, I, I went to the upside there. Well done. Well done. So obviously, neither of us has happened, but uh, just, just reviewing some, you know, it's an easy primer just to get back in. So n- now to the good stuff. So a um, big co- topic of conversation was interest rates and will continue to be interest rates for a while. So we were talking about, are there going to be hikes? Are there going to be holding cuts? What that was going to look like? So I'm not going to make you guys guess at what you said. I'll... I'll um, I'll give you the answers here and then we can comment. Um, Matt, at the beginning of 23 or end of 22, whenever we did this last time, he said, 
I think there will be one or two more hikes. Uh, people are calling for rate cuts, but I don't see that in the words of Matt. Uh, no rate cuts until 2024, at least. And uh, thinks that we will hit a peak and the Fed will hold. Wow. How Man. about that? It's pretty <laughs> nailed it, as one might say. Right. <laughs> I mean... I used to be a bond guy. I guess I still got it at least for, uh, for one there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we, I, I like that prediction. All right. Uh, how did Pat do on that one? Well done. So Pat, in a, in a, in a wise way uh, to follow up, said, hey, I can't go against Matt. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if I had to guess, maybe we'll get a rate cut later in the year. But he said, look, you know, the reality is Matt's probably right. So uh, yeah. rate yeah, cuts I'm- are being talked about, but not here yet. Right. I'd we'll get to that on the 2024 in, predictions. Right. I'd, I'd, I'd thrown mine in for entertainment value. I uh, would have stayed in line with Matt had it just been a, uh, uh, you know, staying with uh, the consensus view. But well done, Matt. Well done. Uh, my answer, uh, I said, look, the consensus, I, I, I tend to go just opposite way and feel like what everybody thinks the opposite will happen. So I said content, the consensus is uh, rates stay high, you know, get to about five, five and a quarter and then get a cut. Uh, no one says rates are, g- are going to continue to go higher. Um, so I said continue to go higher, uh, which was, I guess, incorrect. But maybe in 24. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We will see. So really have two other um, predictions. I'm going to save the, 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 well, they're sort of one and the same. Mostly about the stock market. Um, Pat had a specific prediction for the U.S. stock market itself, or just I'd say stock market, no, S&P 500. I had the same, and Matt had one um, not so specific, but a broad comment on the the way, the direction of the market. So, Matt, you called it an outlandish call that the U.S. stock market will not make new lows from 2022, uh, nor will we make all-time highs. Ooh, I was so close. I was so close. Well, but I think you're still right. Oh, wait. Yeah. Did we not? I think some did. Wait, did one of the indices hit a new high last week? I, something. I don't think it was the S&P 500 because the S&P 500, I believe, was the all-time high was 4,800. Right. So does that mean then I have to root against the market for the rest of the month? You just got to hold steady. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we hit any all-time highs in U.S. markets um, unless... The Dow? I'm trying to tell. It's hard to tell from the chart I'm looking at. I think the Dow is closest. The NASDAQ and S&P, I believe, are both off their all-time highs still, despite that. And that's interesting because the Dow has certainly lagged the other two this year, but it went down a lot less last year, so it had less room to make up, uh, which I guess is a good risk management lesson in and of itself. Right. So again, a good call. Did not make new lows or highs. Uh, getting towards the high, which I guess is, hey, prefer that than, than otherwise. Yeah, sure. Right. I'll take it. But yeah, well yeah. done. Well done. So I like this one, right? Stock market. Um, from Pat, the S&P 500 will finish the year with a positive 20 to 25% return. Bold call. I mean, wait, wait. Where are we right now? Do we have a number on that? I have uh, price return alone, so not including dividends, at just a shade over 20% year to date. Okay. So with dividends, you're, let's call it 21, 22. So you're, you're right there, Pat. Right that there. Was, uh, nice work. And that was not the consensus last year. 
There's not. Now, so, you, you must have one coming that shows that we're bozos because there's no way we got all. Really? Them. I don't. But I'll, I'll tell you, Pat, you should have just stopped there. You, should, you said 20 to 25%. <laughs> Uh-oh. And then you said, more specifically, it will Uh-oh. be here to own all stocks, small, mid, uh, large, uh, growth, uh, value. As a, <laughs> uh, I, yourself, but, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I knew that, that that being as specific, I couldn't like get any more specific than that. I, I So I tried to cover my tail and just... You use everything so everything is going to go up but uh obviously that wasn't the case so close um, but that was that was a great prediction mine on the stock market uh the consensus was um first half uncertain second half st- uh, off to the races i predicted the opposite i thought we'd be pushed into a recession everybody would freak out and then the stock market would pull back obviously that has not happened so uh really, really the opposite or, well the opposite of what i said consensus was right first half uncertain and then the end of this year has been very good. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Yeah. Well done, Pat. And look, if I can uh, introduce some humility to this prediction, it had nothing to do with any sort of technical, you know, I know better than any other major strategist who has, you know, PhDs and degrees far advanced than I do. It, it more has to do with the fact in the drum that I always beat, we kind of always beat, that if you just look at history, use history as your guide, like zoom out on all of the apocalypse du jour news and just look at what historically markets have done. And very rarely do we have two really, really crappy years in a row in stock markets. It just doesn't happen often. So I'll, uh, I'll take credit for it, but uh, you know, it's, it's not because I'm smarter than anyone else. And in fact, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, dabbed on, on him a few times this year on our podcast, but Jeremy Grantham, guy who made a specific call at the beginning of this year that the S&P would finish 2023 at a level of 3,200, a 17% decline on the year is just an example of, I was just listening to another podcast about this, like the higher IQ you have about some of this stuff, the more negative you tend to view things because you have such a, you have such insight into the risks that are at stake. Whereas if you're sort of a little more, uh, ignorant to those risks, or at least uh, willing to look past them, then it's easier to just look at long-term trends and and follow those. So uh, just pointing out examples of why predictions are often made by the smartest people in our economy, and they turn out to be so wrong for what it's worth. You're right. And to go circular logic on that, I think that negative predictions, people view the predictors as smarter. When they, when yeah. they hear positive predictions from people, they think they're just cheerleaders. Maybe Correct. some of them are, you know, I'm, I, but, um, but yeah, I, I think you get sort of credit as being, oh, that was a savvy, smart prediction just simply by being negative. Could be right. smart, could be not, who knows. But. Right. It's inferred that you're not uh, considering the risks if you're being uh, a permanent, you know, optimist, right? Yep. So anyway. So do you want to jump into uh, year ahead predictions? Oh, so we're done. Oh, so I. Well, that was it. Uh, yes, that was it. Let's uh, let's put humility aside. We did a pretty good job there, although I think um, we failed to prove our own point that prediction that predicting is silly and no one knows anything. Because uh, for at least one year, maybe uh, maybe we had the right crystal ball. It worked out reasonably well. Yeah. Now we're gonna have a bunch of confidence going to our twenty four. Yeah. Back to it earlier. I think it was might have been a title of a uh, podcast, Confidence Kills. So yeah. be careful, guys. All yeah, right. So with that as a backdrop, we're going to have a little more structure around the predictions this year. We have uh, the first four, which we'll all go around to predict, 
are going to be essentially multiple choice questions where you have a choice essentially of something that is kind of neutral, a little strong, quite strong, a little weak, quite weak. And I'll, I'll, I'll specify it when we do it. And then we'll have some more open-ended predictions uh, towards the end. So uh, with that as a backdrop, let's start with the stock market for 2024. And I guess we'll define the stock market right now as the U.S. large cap stock market, things like Dow, NASDAQ, SMP. I guess we'll say S&P because that's what most of the strategists use, even though we tend to go a little more diversified. So for 2024, the five categories I have, which I will define them, is kind of flat, which I would describe as a negative five to positive 5% year, you know, either side is zero. And then up modestly or down modestly would be five to 15% or negative five to negative 15%. And then a big year in either direction would be up more than 15% or down more than 15%. So with that defined uh, universe, uh, Pat, you fire away first. Where are you on stocks for 2024? All right. So stocks for 2024, and I'm going to use history as my guide as I did last year. Um, from For the most part, there are some outliers, but when you have a negative year followed by a strong up year, which is pretty common, the second year following a negative year is not as strong as that first year. So I will go on the positive camp, but I'm going to go up modestly just because that has uh, that rings true with uh, roughly how history has come in. Again, this is not me uh, being smart. It's just literally looking at what history has done. So I'll go with that as my answer. I'll say up modestly between, you know, in the five to 15 camp for U.S. stocks. Okay. All right. So I'll follow up with that. I think um, a lot of the conversation of what's driving the stock market will be interest rates and the Fed. So I think even though, look, we've got a soft landing potentially in sight, um, maybe a recession, maybe not. But I think if you if you do actually get some rate cuts, that will really propel the stock market higher. Even if you do get that recession, you know, and as, as research shows, stock market a lot of times bottoms before. So I think you can have another big up year. I think it's I don't know when the last time is we had two big up years in a row, but counting on it for 2024. There's going to be a lot of volatility, especially with election coming and all the other uncertainty in the world. But um, I'm going to take a big up over 15%. All right. So I'll go outlier here. Um, I'm going to go with kind of flat that a sort of not, not unremarkable year. If you ask me which side of kind of flat, I'd probably say slightly positive, um, but not quite of the uh, 5% up variety that Pat was calling for. And I think in particular, not to get too granular and nuanced on the answer, we're talking about the S&P 500 which has had a heck of a year this year and has really led the way along with the NASDAQ uh, for several years. If we broaden this out to some of the indices that we look at, uh, and, and we do a blended index, but I think small caps could have a really strong year, right? You know, I, I think other areas of the market could be even stronger. But if I look at the top line S&P, which is led by those seven big companies that were wonderful this year, I'm going to go with the kind of flat category. That's fair. Um, and if I could interject on a and just get your guys' thoughts on what you just mentioned, Matt, like other areas of like the stock, like stock markets outside of just large cap US names uh, before we jump into bonds or anything else. Um, I would agree with you on that one, Matt, right? Because if, again, you're going off of like sort of contrarian logic, most of what has led stocks higher again this year have been these incumbent mega, mega cap names. It seems unlikely that those will again lead the market higher, although that 
wouldn't be that much of a surprise with how well they've done over the last 15 years or so. So yeah, any other thought I, I would, uh, so I would agree with you one, I guess on, um, smaller or, or medium sized companies in the U S being better companies to own next year than they certainly were this year. Um, how about a question for both you guys, since it's the, the permanent question everyone asks every year, at least in our world. And uh, everyone always seems to be in this camp and it never comes true, at least the last 10 or 15 years. Um, is it finally time to own more international stocks versus the U.S.? <laughs> I knew you were going there. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's almost it, I'll say this. It's got to happen one day, <laughs> you know, it, 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 markets right. don't go in the same direction forever. Uh, the emerging markets in specific are, are pretty uh, hated right now. So if you go to like Aaron's point about being a contrarian, I'm not there yet to say it. But if one wanted to be a contrarian, this would be the year to go for because I feel like everybody has gotten a little U.S. bias, uh, you know, again. But um, I feel much stronger about the small cap call than I do about international um, kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm on that one. Not taking a, not taking a big stand on that one right now, Aaron. Yeah, I don't think I disagree there. I, I, uh, I don't have a ton of conviction on that side and you haven't seen many people banging the table in, uh, on CNBC, Wall Street Journal about getting more exposure to international equities. And maybe that means it is the time to do it because you, right. everybody is banging the table. It's the wrong time. But yeah, I, I think, um, having that home country bias here in the U S probably makes sense for now. Almost more curious for you guys' thoughts here too. Like I almost at this point in my career with the way markets um, have performed over the last many years, and if you look at the economy specific to developed countries outside the US, they are not as much tech heavy, right? Like your major semiconductors, your major uh, internet companies sort of reside in the US or China and they don't really reside in like the UK or Ireland or uh, Germany certainly has, but a lot of the European developed countries are more manufacturing based. Right. Um, so I almost think, you know, not, I don't know what's going to happen. None of us do, but it, that could, that could be a case for it. Right. If, if uh, this obsession with our artificial intelligence simmers next year, that means tech maybe is not as great to own. Maybe things like manufacturing and, and whatnot are better to own. And, that would be a, a boon for developed nations outside the U.S., right? Just kind of a more like educational thoughts, but. Yeah, and I think on that, and I haven't looked at the percentages in a while, but it used to be that the financials made up a big part of the index in uh, in Europe. And that is a sector that, frankly, it's been about 15 years since that sector could get out of its own way. Right. Um, so it, one of these years, I, I imagine it will happen maybe after the whole, uh, uh, who was it? UBS credit Suisse thing over there. Perhaps there's a little more stability and you finally see that there in a more value-based, uh, bent in, uh, in Europe. But, um, next question, let's go to the other major market. We just did stocks. Let's do bond market. And again, we'll stick with here, uh, the U S uh, bond market. And I won't go uh, nuance to to munis. We'll just deal with the the general bond market, but it probably would apply to munis, treasuries, investment grade bonds. Um, same exact format as stocks, except the numbers are going to be a tighter range just because bonds tend to not move a, as dramatically. So kind of flat. I had negative two to positive two. 
uh, up modestly, and this is again price return. This is not rates. Uh, uh, up modestly or down modestly would be two to ten, and then a move over ten percent, which you rarely see in bonds, but has happened in both directions. Uh, uh, where would you go with bond markets next year, Aaron? You can kick us off this time. I think I'm going to stay flat. I, I don't think you're going to see the the wild moves as we have. You know the uh, what was it twenty two, the worst bond market we had, and you know, since the Civil War or something. Right, yeah, the yeah, Civil yeah. War. I, I don't yeah. think we're getting that. You know, in the last month or so, we've had the best month. I've seen a couple of different publications quote it differently, but something like the best month in bond returns since 1985. <laughs> I think, like I think you're right. I think it was 85. I think you're right. So yeah, I mean, the 10-year Treasury went from 5% down to 4.2 in a matter of weeks or a month, and that, that's a drastic move from 5 to 4.2. So I, I think a lot of this will follow the Fed's, um, um, uh, their action. I think we're at higher for longer. Rates are going to stay where they are. Not a ton of movement. That's what I would project. And by the way, I should have specified we're talking about total return for bonds so that you would, you do get a bit of a coupon, you yep. get either direction of the price and you're, and you're still uh, kind of flat there. Um, That's right. Uh, Pat? I'll go. So as much as I hate going with the herd, since that ends up always almost always being the wrong camp to be in, I will say I think bonds will be up big next year. Um on the combo of, okay. of uh, rate reduction and uh, and uh, just higher starting spot for income. I'll caveat that by saying, I think it won't be as much of a direct line as everyone's predicting. We're predicting rate cuts as early as May, I think, from what I've seen. Um, I think there will be some small black swan type of uh, unknown event that could throw people for a loop with their predictions, but eventually we will f- finish the year so I could, you know, I could see bonds being a little volatile potentially, but we'll finish the year with big price returns um, uh, on the back end of some rate cuts um, throughout the year. All right. So I am going to go uh, with, uh, with Aaron on this one of a kind of flat. So now I'm kind of flat two for two on that. Uh, <laughs> generally speaking, it goes to what both of you were just saying there. Uh, the move we've had recently here at the end of the year, and again, we're doing this in December, and so it's possible some of that reverses before year end and so on, but you know, uh, no one's holding us to this. These are just random predictions. So uh, uh, I think the bond market's got a little ahead of itself uh, so far. Yeah. And, and so therefore, I think rates, you know, we've been talking a lot for a couple of years on the stock side about volatile mediocrity. I think uh, bonds or rates are going to move into next year, which have been very volatile. They're going to move into just the sort of mediocrity. I, I think they're just not going to move very much. Uh, and and therefore, to me, you might get a slight reversal, a little bit move, a little higher move in, in long rates. Uh, not the Fed. We're going to get to that next. Uh, but then when you have the income, I think you put it all together, you've probably a flat to slightly positive bond market uh, on the year. All right. Speaking of the Fed. And we did uh, we did a pretty good job in this last year, but um, here we are. Uh, same exact parameters on the Fed. You could say no action from the Fed next year. Uh, you can say modestly dovish or hawkish would be, which would be one to four cuts or one to four hikes. Uh, or you could think the Fed's going to take big action next year, which would be either four hikes or four cuts or or in excess of that. So uh, let, let's let uh, Matt go first, so I can copy him. <laughs> I am uh all right I'm going to take the uh chicken way out here and go consensus which is uh uh actually you know what I'm not 
I was I was close to consensus. Had we done this podcast two or three weeks ago, I would have said modestly dovish with one to four cuts. I think given the moves in the stock market and the bond market over the last few weeks, I think the markets have done a lot of the Fed's work for them already. Uh, I don't see any need for the Fed to have to press the bet. You have a still growing economy. I'm not in the recession camp next year. I don't think it's going to be amazing. Uh, so therefore, I am in the rare place of no action from the Federal Reserve in terms of interest rate moves for 2024. Not just saying this, but I was in the same camp, I believe. I don't think you're going to get all the rate cuts. I think Powell has been pretty steadfast in saying, hey, like rates, they might have to just stay here for a while. Um, hard to believe what they always say, given their their their, their uh, prior actions, but I think they do stay. And maybe t- to be even um, a little stubborn on their part to say, hey, look, we got it right thus far. We said we're going to stay and we're going to stay. So I, I think I'll follow along what, uh, with what Matt said. All right. I'll change it up just a little bit. Um, I'll stay kind of boring though, because um, this is the consensus. So I'm going consensus two, two in a row here almost. But uh, I'll say um, modestly dovish, but maybe just to add some spruce to it, uh, this is what I believe too. I'll say there, there won't be three cuts, four cuts. There'll be two. You're going to have two cuts. I'd say they're both the back half of the year. Um, I think they stay pretty hawkish and uh, at the, at their current levels um, while the rest of the investment world clamors that they cut and uh, the bond market gets it wrong, which dovetails back into my last prediction. But then uh, second half of the year, there's a little more uh, impetus to do so for whatever reason, whether it's recession or political pressure with their, they're not supposed to give into or, or whatever. Um, I think you get a couple cuts at the end of at the end of uh, twenty four. There was a good political commentator that we heard at a conference recently saying that the Fed does try to avoid any right. big decision before an election because it looks like they're favoring one party or another. Right. So yeah, so that that could mean uh, that's a good reason to go no action. Also, right. Um, and to that, I, I I was talking about this topic with my dad recently. He asked, he's like, "Do you think there's any chance they actually hike?" at the next meeting because of how aggressive the bond market has moved down. And look, I would never say no chance, but my answer to him was not quite there. But I do think you'll see the next statement, if markets continue to be this friendly, uh, maybe a little less dovish on the statement, if I had to guess, uh, just to set expectations back. But speaking of politics, the always fun one, and let me add my disclaimer before we even get here. This is not an endorsement of either candidate or party or anything. We're just trying to look into the crystal ball. So with that said, because I know we have plenty of both Democrats and Republicans and independents listening right now. So with that as a backdrop, and uh, Pat, you can lead us off here. Uh, at this time, <laughs> in, uh, this time, let's say one year from now, when the election is over, but uh, we have not reached inauguration date. I kept this one vague. Are we preparing for A, Biden's second term, B, Trump's second term, or C, other? And if you're going to go with other, throw something in there, what you might see. Yeah. All right. So I'll kick it off. Um, I'll throw a teeny bit of gas on on the uh, on the fire here, but just a little bit um, in just saying that the fact that, at least personally, those two are the most likely options, A and B, either Trump or Biden being reelected, just depresses the, the, 
just depresses me. Like, it's just like <laughs> it's a shame that this is what, these are our choices. These are going to be incumbent choices to guys who should be retired and not bothering us any longer. Um, again, being nonpartisan, I don't mean to upset anybody, but like, come on, like, let's do better as a country. Like, let's get <laughs> someone else in. Rather than upset anybody, you're just upsetting everybody. Yeah, I'm going to upset everyone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Equal opportunity. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just depressing to me. Maybe it's because I'm a younger person in in, uh, the workforce or whatever, but I'm just sick of seeing, you know, either of these idiots that just think that they're so. uh, uh, Anyway, you get the point. I'm not a fan of of either candidate. But if I had to guess and make a prediction, I'm going to say that we are B preparing for uh, Trump's second term. And that is, again, not a partisan comment whatsoever. I'm just going based on uh, current odds, which actually I think favor that outcome at the moment. I believe that's uh, that's correct. Aaron, I'm going to go. I'm going to back clean up on this one. So you, uh, I've struggled on this one. Um, like we said, the people that are you know the highest IQ, they sometimes know too much and uh, they they are very negative. So we, we that same political commentator I, we referenced in that last segment also mentioned. Look, just the way the political system works, it's going to be hard for it to be anybody other than Trump and Biden going head to head. So, you know, to the point, can it be somebody beyond Trump on the Republican side? Even though, yeah, maybe a lot of people want that. It's probably not happening. Um, and if you have a head to head again, it's it, it, the report this morning or over the weekend that in the two states that Trump uh, lost to Biden last time is now winning. I, I think it's going the same way that that Pat said. And I think it's just like sort of like the American way now, like the, the, the the international world looks at us and be like, come on, you bozos. Like, you, you, don't you remember a couple of years ago? We're also, we have no memories. And again, not, not a political statement one, at all, but man, it was tense. It was, it was just, everyone was angry at each other. And I, I don't think people remembered that, but I think just the way we are as humans and Americans, we're going right back to it. All right. So we have uh, two, not votes for Trump is in you're voting for Trump. I'll, I'll let you guys keep that private, but you both think uh, that's the most likely outcome. Um, I'm going to go contrarian here, or I don't even know if it's contrarian. I'm going to say other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, right. this is me playing, I think, uh, playing, uh, let's call them bizarre odds, because you get a lot of things that could happen under other. Uh, I'm not wishing for like the medical impairment or demise of either person, but they are getting up there. So that is a possibility that would lead to to somebody else. Um, we do have legal challenges uh, in Trump's case for him directly, in Biden's case, uh, you know, indictments last week of his son, which could lead to ramifications there. Uh, there is still a growing groundswell on the Democrat side, um, you know, for, for there to be another candidate. And you still have Nikki Haley, uh, you know, uh, let's say staying relevant uh, in the Republican primary. So if I had to pick one of these three, I'm going to say other. But given that um, we have to specify if you do say other, what you think the most likely is, I do not think it's going to be a third party candidate. I do not feel comfortable predicting anybody's uh, cognitive demise nor incarceration. So I'm going to go with uh, (laughs) Nikki Haley pulling the upset that no one's expecting. All right. I hope you're right, Matt. I I would go other. Either and again, this is me showing people that I'm pretty nonpartisan. Either can, candidates from either end of the spectrum, anybody, just give me C, give me other for sure. <laughs> I'm with you on that. 
All right. So Pat's on the RFK Jr. train. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for the final section predictions, and we, we know this podcast is going a little bit longer than we normally do, but this is sort of our annual prediction one. So we'll do the final set and then we'll just do a couple uh, uh, show or book recommendations. But um, this one is just a, a rapid fire wild card. Uh, three categories, sports, politics and global affairs and markets. Just give a random unscripted prediction for 2024. Uh, so if you want to, you want to do sports first, uh, get off of some of the heavy stuff and go, uh, go to the really important stuff. All right, Pat, what sports prediction do you have for this year? All right, I'll go, uh, here's a contrarian one that's starting to gain some momentum. I'll go stick with my hockey NHL as much as I wish is my, um, my sort of hot recently New Jersey devils win the cup. I think they're still a couple years away. I'll go, uh, Connor McDavid, the best player in the world and the Edmonton Oilers after a terrible start to being outside the playoff picture still through Christmas. I think they, uh, they return to glory and uh, the best player in the world finally lifts the cup in May or June, which is insane that Stanley Cup goes that long these days. But uh, go Edmonton Oilers win the Stanley Cup. And that would be their first one since Gretzky in the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. See yeah. that hockey knowledge there, Pat? That's, that's that about good. as deep as I go in hockey. That was good. All right, I'll go you, next. You, know, you notice the silence on my part. I don't... Yeah, right, right, right. Um, all right, I'll go with – I'll keep it uh, with uh, home – as Aaron said, home country bias. This is the year that America's team, the Philadelphia 76ers, finally get out of the second round of the playoffs and make it to at least <laughs> – So bold. <laughs> just make just it, get out of the second round. Just get out of the second round. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's uh, – I think Embiid, I believe, has been to the second round five times and never out of that. Uh, the next highest in NBA history, I believe, is Dominique Wilkins at two or three. So it's, it's, it defies logic. It's hard to get to the second round. Usually you break through at least once. This is the year they finally break through. Playing the odds. I like it. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm having a hard time on the NFL side. You, neither of you brought that up, but to who, who the Super Bowl favorite is, I don't want to say the Eagles just because that's a, too much of a hometown thing, and they've looked terrible uh, the last two weeks. So I, I've struggled on that. Um, I don't want to say the Cowboys because uh, I think they just shoot themselves in the foot every single time. I, are, the, are, the, um, are the Chiefs at risk of missing the playoffs? Technically, yes. They're yeah. only one game up on the Broncos who beat them once. I don't know who has the tiebreaker. I don't know what happened the second time they played. But in theory, if they go into the tank, they could miss the playoffs. I feel like it's going to be something uh, somebody that was hot early that uh, just that you haven't heard as much talk about them recently. The Dolphins, you know, they, they were hot early. And maybe they're the ones that Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Not, not sneak in by any means, but man, they got a lot of power. and Well-coached team, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I-, I think that's the right way I'm going. As the non, uh, as the well-advertised Giants fan on this podcast, I'll just say um, to cheer you guys up following the Dallas uh, loss last night. Um, if I'm an Eagles fan fan right now, as a contrarian person in general, I'm psyched about the last couple of weeks. Not psyched, obviously, because you, your team didn't play well, but almost never does a team just dominate the whole regular season and rip through the playoffs. Very rarely does that happen. Obviously, the Chiefs have done it recently, but like. If I'm a if I'm an Eagles fan, the team is what ten and three, ten and four. Sorry, ten, ten and three, three right? ten and three, ten and three. Right, record's great. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna have one of the top two um, spots most likely, and I'll take my uh, late season adversity now. Like that is what galvanizes a group as you're going into the playoffs. So uh, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm I'm uh, I'm fine with it. Take a couple on the chin, take it now, and and then get hot for the playoffs. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen, but <laughs> wow. give, me, give me a vote of confidence. 
I love that. So if that happens and then they win the Super Bowl, I'm going to get you a T-shirt. All right. So let's do a uh, we'll we'll, let's do a markets prediction outside of what we spoke about. Anything uh, that you uh, that that you look for uh, in the markets next year? Pat, what do you got? I'll jump in. So outside of um, financial markets, per se, I'm going to go housing market. Housing market's been this like nonstop. Uh, rising like a uh, um, similar to like tech stocks. It's just sort of nonstop. There's no supply. It's been there, all these, um, all the components of the housing market have stayed really, really hot, even with interest rates going up. I think, which would be again, sort of contrarian logic, if interest rates do fall next year, I think actually you'll start to see housing prices start to fall. Um, I think it'll be a combo of um, most of the, the fact that there's no supply in our country um, because mostly the baby boomer generation still owns homes free and clear with very low mortgage rates. Um, if they see supply start to come back in and the demand pick up, I think people will get that FOMO of, oh my God, I need to sell my house because I'm retiring or whatever. And that might finally introduce some supply to the market and uh, prices won't be, I'm not predicting like a 20% drop in uh, home prices, but I think home prices start to drop a little bit, which is... Uh, would be general thinking is when interest rates get cut, um, you have stock uh, price, how home prices go higher because okay, right. you can afford more. But I did just see a, a prediction saying, hey, if, if rates get cut, home prices are dropping because everyone is staring at each other's buyers and sellers and the sellers aren't putting their houses on the market or looking for reasonable prices. And if rates get cut, everyone's going to start looking to turn them over and there's going to be a flood onto the market and Prices are going down. It was an interesting perspective. So I think that was uh, good luck. Said that. it was. It was. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. I'll give my random market prediction, and Aaron, you can back clean up on this one. Um, we we alluded to it already, but I'll uh, I'll I'll take this one. Uh, uh, small cap stocks outperform large cap stocks next year in the United States. Um, realistically, if the if you could divide the market into, let's say the top 10 and then the S&P 490, or or maybe said differently, if it were like Wilshire 5000, the top 10 stocks versus every other listed stock in the US. I just think the others, which have been lagging a lot, are going to outperform next year. Yeah, I, I think you're due for it at some point. So I like that. Mm-hmm. So I'll go even smaller. Um, IPO market starts to come back, which has okay. been frozen for a while. And, and I think there's just some... Um, operators, private equity firms that are just itching to go public and you need the right environment. And if you start to get, you know, a little bit of an open window, rates are getting cut, things are looking good, environment's changing, you're going to get a a rush to the IPO market. And whether that's a wise decision or not, I don't know. But I think um, you have enough pressure and pent up demand there that you'll see, uh, you'll see a wave come through at some point next year. And I like it. Can I throw it? Oh, go ahead. Can I throw a bonus one in there just because you guys know I like to throw a little sandpaper on it every once in a while? Um, private credit. Private credit's going to have a, some, something's going bad with private credit next year. It's not next year soon enough because everybody and their mother wants private credit. And I can't figure out how it is just this risk free returns like stock market without any of the downside uh, pitch that everyone keeps giving. So at some point, I think something bad happens in private credit. And uh, I don't know if that's a negative year or if it's just. You're not getting 12% in private credit, but um, I'll throw that out there. 2024, people who own a lot of private credit going in may not be so happy by the by the end of the year. Well, anecdotally, the consensus 
usually leads to something going the other way at the end of the year. So a couple of years ago, it was innovation in tech, which then collapsed. I think last year there was a consensus 60-40 portfolio is dead, alive and well. Uh, and it does feel like everyone's talking about private credit right now. So it would fit with that pattern. Uh, so, um, all right, last prediction segment before we get to our closing here. Uh, we've talked a little bit about politics and global affairs. Any random predictions in that arena, uh, wherever you want to take that? I feel like you've got one that you want to throw out yeah, there. Yeah, you start, you start off, right. off. I'm going to end my predictions on an optimistic note here. Um, both, and this is, you know, obviously a, uh, uh, hopefully with a successful resolution, of course, um, both major wars going on right now conclude in 2024. Um, and, uh, and we, and hopefully make it through to the end of 2024 without any major, and there are always going to be conflict somewhere, but, uh, out without any major of the, uh, uh, headline grabbing wars that we're, uh, uh, current, currently going through. Obviously there are missions that need to be accomplished, uh, uh, first, and I won't let my, uh, own opinions go there, but I, but I do think the wars, uh, wrap up, uh, in, in, in 2024 for the most part. I'll just say here, here, and, uh. I'm on board. Yeah, I hope you're right about that one, big time. Um, yeah, I don't think I have a specific one to add. Maybe um, just going back to the presidential election we were talking about, even if it remains the incumbents, um, Trump or Biden, I would just love to see some hope, some candidates emerge, some somebody from either side of uh, the aisle, just to just to look like a a candidate of you know 2028 that that you know, the American population can sort of look forward to. That would yeah, be, you get uh, a lot of these, the younger people in both parties really um, are the ones stirring things up and making headaches, you know, because, oh, maybe they, they believe in this different way of doing things, but, you know, just, just to kind of down the middle. Yeah. Not to be a younger person, but, you know, person that's been in, in politics for a long time that really can yeah, reach both sides of the aisle and not non, have to be the one stirring things up. A non-polarizing person, imagine yes. that. like just just somebody who is an American leader for whatever the heck that means to you. You know, yeah. I don't know. It would be, should be very it'd be a breath of fresh air to see some development, some political uh, uh, prospects for future presidents. Right. They're not, they don't have to stand on one specific polarizing agenda that certain right. people love and everybody else hates. You know, just like. All right. So I think politically, then we're all hopeful. You guys are talking yeah. about a more hopeful centrist candidate. I am hoping for uh, a, uh, let's say, mission accomplished. I'm not calling for ceasefire now, a mission accomplished uh, for uh, in, in the Israel war. And maybe the, the Russia-Ukraine war uh, uh, starts to uh, uh, fade as well. So uh, uh, with that, Aaron, do you want to do our uh, closing segment here? Well, yeah, so so I think we'll skip uh, the the articles, even though I had a couple of good ones for this time. But we're save them. We're going to do uh, two podcasts a month and uh, starting in twenty twenty four. So save That's them. right. Yeah, Plenty of articles to come. So uh, we'll go with the, the book, the movie, the show that you're watching. I've been watching a bunch recently in the uh, music and entertainment documentary world. I might have mentioned in the past that I like those, but I did not know much about David Geffen. Mm. And um, there's a Netflix uh, documentary. It was from a number of years ago, but what an impressive guy that just decided he wanted to be in the music business and then he dominated and he wanted to be in the movie business and then dominated. And, and uh, um, you know, he became a billionaire, you know, just from nothing. 
after 20 years of work or whatever it was. And then after he became a billionaire, he decided that, hey, let's start a new uh, movie company, you know, DreamWorks, he starts with uh, a couple other heavy hitters. So just an unbelievable person and a pretty good documentary if you're uh, interested in that sort of thing at all. Nice. I, I will check that out. I appreciate that recommendation. Yeah, yeah. it's a good one. Um, all right, I'll jump in. I uh, Rather than a specific recommendation, because around this time of the year, I turn into a total like holiday mush. I'm like watching all kinds <laughs> of holiday movies and stuff. So I'll give my top three like Christmas holiday movies. I know of all time? time? Yeah, all time. So whoa, my whoa, go, whoa, this is going to be All right. If you guys want to try it, yeah. I watched Eight Crazy Nights last night, which is a great one. I love that movie with Adam Sandler. But so my top three. So if I, during the holiday season, like these are, no matter what's in going order, on. In order, three to in one. Order. Yeah, okay. I'll go one, one, two. Well, yeah, I'll go three to one. I will go um, number three, Polar Express with Tom Hanks. For whatever reason, it's very nostalgic. I think it captures the. I don't even know if I've seen that one. As well. It's a good one. It's a kind of an undercover. I don't know if it's a consensus top three for a lot of people, but I'm a fan of it. These are movies that I think of as, I can't finish the Christmas season without you know watching these three. So that one, um, I'll go number two, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yep, yep. It's an absolute classic. It has to be on any list. Yep, yep. It's, the, it's a fantastic movie. And then uh, number one, Home Alone, just another classic. Love it. I could watch it. I could watch Home Alone specifically, like, you know, like 15 times during December. So I'm a big fan of those three. It's amazing how that movie uh, can still capture people after so long. It was my sister last yeah. night. Her son is three and a half. And he watched the whole, like, three and a half years old. Like, <laughs> it's still going. And it's yeah, going to yeah, go forever. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. It's, so, it's, Pat, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no Die Hard? No, not a Christmas movie? No, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. It's in my top 10. But it's just okay. not my, it's just not in my top three. Yeah, I so maybe I have like I don't know I, I I have no um violent streak that I know of. But in addition to Christmas Vacation, if I had to pick two, I think I would go uh, Die Hard and Rocky Four. Uh, nice, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, a couple uh, recommendations. You mentioned documentaries. I watched finally the Beckham one on net on Netflix uh, last month, which I thought was really good. Uh, it was educational for me because I just started following soccer in the last couple of years, so I, I didn't know a lot of it. And I was really surprised with how exposed or overexposed he and uh, uh, Victoria Beckham have been. Yet they're still kind of likable, which is. Weird. Usually people that exposed after a while, you're kind of tired of them. So that, that was good. good um, reading yet another Morgan Housel book, his uh, latest one that came out, Same as Ever, which we can talk about in other podcasts. Just great uh, sort of societal and behavioral observations. And then one, uh, Pat, that you should definitely check out because uh, I think you are a conspiracy theorist junkie for uh, JFK stuff. Um, uh, Rob Reiner, who I'm not normally a huge fan of, but I did a nice job with this. And um, why am I, Soledad O'Brien, I couldn't think of her name, uh, have a podcast out about the JFK assassination that they, hmm. they, they drop like one episode a week. So I'm still only about halfway through it, but it is, uh, it's interesting. It, it's, uh, we'll see what, how it winds up, but so far it has me uh, uh, captured a little bit. What's it called? Sorry. Uh, I think it's who assassinated JFK, but it's okay. definitely Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien. So you can uh, uh, look that up. Got it. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Uh, I will check that out. All right. Well, with that, we will wind down this episode. As I mentioned, we're going to have two episodes a month we're shooting for next year. Uh, generally, one will be the three of us, uh, and then one will be one of us uh, interviewing a guest and uh, wishing everybody, of course, a uh, happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next year. Yeah. Well Thanks done. Everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays.